Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWolfOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, sports fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 485. I'm your host, Christopher Jones. We're going to talk some football tonight, Canadian football. Is there any other kind? I've heard there's other gridiron football out there, but fuck that. CFL's where it's at. Um, We're going to go. We're going to talk some football. What's happening? Uh, We're now, what, the 3rd of May? Is that right? The 5th of May? No, where are we? The 4th of May. 4th of May. May the 4th be with you. Yes, that's what it is. May the 4th be with you today. Star Wars Day. Who's a Star Wars fan? I'm a Star Wars fan. My daughter came home today with Corel living where, you know, those, those um, glass pots that don't really break and stuff like that, or you store food in them, stuff like that. They got Star Wars now at Costco. And she's like, oh, my God, you got little Baby Yoda on that. And uh, who knows what Baby Yoda's name is, because Baby Yoda's not really his name. Uh you know who I'm talking about? The little uh, Yoda-like guy that's on um, Mandalorian? I mean, Will might like this because he's like, what's Baby Yoda's name? That's it. Uh, Grogu. That's right, Grogu. Anyhow, forgot all about that. Anyhow, uh, that was Baby Yoda in Mandalorian. If you haven't watched Mandalorian, watch it. You're a Star Wars fan. This is an amazing show. This is absolutely amazing show. We're waiting for, like, season three to come out now. And uh, probably going to wait another year or two for it. It's, uh, it's scheduled to happen, but it's not scheduled to happen anytime soon. So we're just going to skip over that. And uh, the Mandalorian will come out one day. I just don't know when. Um, anyhow, what's happened? Uh, CFL, we had the draft. Um, did I, I, I honestly, I have no idea who drafted who. Um, I just, it, it just, it, to me, is so irrelevant. Um, but even that, I'm just, I'm so busy doing other things right now that I, I haven't even been able to see that check out what's going on in, in the CFL. And it's kind of sad, you know, like, Hey, on Friday, I go up to Kamloops, which is about an hour away. And I get a phone call from my buddy is driving down the thing. Actually, it's a text message. And he shows me a picture of three horses that are about, Oh, three miles from my house. And he says, are these yours? And I went, shit, yes. So they'd escaped. They'd gone through the fence, went down there. So my daughter went out and found the, fe- the horses, my son-in-law, he uh, fixed the fence. Everything was fine. The next day we got up, the horses are out on the res again. So we had to go fix some more fence and go round up the horses again. And then yesterday I'm looking around and there's two horses out on the res and I'm going, what the hell? So we went and walked the entire fence line and in the bush, way in the corner where we couldn't find or couldn't see or anything else, there's a hole in the fence. Was fence all this weekend trying to fix this all up. So I'm tired. Okay. I'm just tired. I get so much going on. It's in springtime. It's breeding season. There's calving or not calving season. Well, we have calves coming, but we got foals coming. We got three calves coming. We got 10 foals coming. It's just, it's a busy time. And I'm still working, cleaning up the flood. So football is not really a high priority of mine. But I'm here Wednesday night talking football with you guys. And that's what we want to do. And what it's all about. And, uh, I mean, last week we, we started talking, on, and we talked 
segment one. We never finished. That's where we we didn't even finish segment one. So um, that was pretty cool. We just had fucking football. We had a great show. And hopefully this one's going to be the same. Will's not with us tonight. He's, he's got some virus. Not COVID. But then Steve's probably, Steve is probably going to tell him that it's COVID. Um, and he should have got his vaccine. Oh, wait. Will did get vaccinated. He's sick, okay? Uh, CJ is the only one that did get vaccinated. And he's the only one that's never been sick. So I think that's pretty amazing. And uh, kind of speaks volumes for this vaccine that Stephen is, thinks is just all wonderful. Um, yeah. Uh, never vaccinated on that and uh, didn't get sick on it. So uh, you know what? You guys, you go have fun with your COVID. I prefer not to do it. Uh, what else are we talking about? We're going to play some. So Will is not with us. He's sick. And his biggest problem is he's lost his voice, which must be wonderful in the McDonald's uh, household. I mean, Patty must be just loving this. Will not being able to talk. It's just totally amazing. Uh, I'm sure he's actually listening to the show right now, and he's cursing and throwing things, but uh, that's too bad. I'm probably going to get a text message in a few minutes, and that would be funny. Uh, okay, so let's uh, just jump right at it and open up the mics to these boys, and uh, we'll talk some football. Uh, first up, I got Rudy. Rudy, how are you doing in Manitoba? You say this is going to be your last show until October, eh? Is that what you said? Yeah, potentially, yeah. See if I see if I have good enough very well i won't have good service but uh, i might be able to get on here and there it's kind of weird like the peninsula it's kind of now an island almost well it used to be an island it's connected now so it's a peninsula but uh i have to stand at one specific spot by a tree to get service and uh usually i'm working pretty late too but uh i do have wi-fi i'll try calling off of but we'll, we'll see how it works um Hey, random random question, man. How much uh, head of cattle do you run there in your ranch? Oh, I only I, well, I got three cows that are gonna calve, and then I got three little ones. Uh, two of them are steers, so we're gonna beef them this year. Maybe this year, maybe next year, uh, and then one cow that we're gonna raise up to to breed. So we're our 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 herd expands with every female that's born. And our freezer expands with every male that's born. Okay. Yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. Fill your freezer with some good, uh, good steaks right on. But yeah, no, I'll see. I mean, yeah. there's a good chance I won't be on next Wednesday. I'll try, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that I might not be on very much till uh, till October first on, which is, I mean, that's getting into playoffs almost. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, shit happens. We survived just just good enough without you, so fuck you. Okay? We'll be fine. <laughs> Sorry, did I say that? <laughs> well, yeah, nice. only... yeah. Inside voice, TJ. Inside voice. I've probably only been on for 10, 12 shows. I don't know. I'd have to look at, at the podcast on Apple. <clears throat> but anyway. I don't know. Yeah. That was an interesting Charles, show. Charles, welcome to the week. show, buddy. I hope Bill calls in again. Yeah, that's very rare. Um, Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Can't complain. No, nobody listens. Who gives sitting a down shit, here right? in the lower, yeah, sitting down here in the lower mainland, we're waiting for the spring weather to finally show up, which it still hasn't for the most part. We've had one day here, one day there, and then we get rain. Yeah, well, that's spring weather. Really? Right, April shower shit. 
it's yeah, I guess so, yep. here. We had we had terrible snowstorms, and now it's all of a sudden plus 17 to 20, kind of, the last three, four days, and everything's melting. We need the ground to thaw up here, though, or we're going to be at risk of some floods. We need all this water, but uh, the problem is, is it can't go anywhere right now. I'm kind of a little kicked off with the RM. I, they should be clearing out some of our culverts around here right now, and they're just letting them wait. So, I mean, if we get a big rainfall, we're going to be looking at a flood if it... Uh, if it doesn't rain, we'll be okay, but we need the ground to thaw up here and where I am in Manitoba. Yeah. Well, you know, it's minus two at night here and then uh, plus 19 during the day. So, you, you know, you start work at five in the morning and uh, it's fucking cold and you're looking around for extra jackets. And then by noon, you're sweating your ass off and peeling layers. So I yeah it's 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 weird weather it's definitely weird weather and it's a little moister than it's supposed to be here we're in a desert it's not supposed to be moisture anyhow are you guys ready to talk some football let's see if we can get this done without uh running out of time I forgot my glasses tonight so I've got really big type and it's still kind of blurry I'm getting old it sucks uh, okay uh, segment one was the CFL draft is in the books any surprises any winners. Well, the CFL draft was yesterday, I believe. That was Tuesday. And uh, they had both the Canadian draft and then the global draft. And big headlight was headline was that uh, Aussies dominate the draft. Aussie, Aussie punters or Aussie kickers dominate the draft. And I'm going, since when do we draft Australians in the youth sports draft? And then I didn't cl- finally clued in that there was also the global draft. So that's okay. I mean, seven Australian punters in the first round. I mean, there's only nine teams. How is that possible? And why the hell did you, anybody not learn, anybody not learn from the BC Lions last year in their global kicker fiasco? Yeah, it didn't work Seriously. out all that yeah. well. No. We lost three games because it of our kickers. three games. And it cost us a playoff spot. We could have kicked the riders out of the playoffs, and uh, we didn't because of our fucking kicker. So, yeah, anyhow. Uh, and you talk to a rider fan, and they laugh their ass off when you say that. But the reality is, it's the truth. Take take two victories away from the riders and give BC three, six more points, three more victories, and Saskatchewan's golfing before the end of the, end of the season. So that's just a fact of matter, whether you believe that or not. I don't care. Um, so the draft's in the book. I, I Any throw, surprises, I anything neat and happened on that? What are you trying to say, Rudy? Oh, I, I, I felt bad for DC with that, honestly. Like, it was, it was, it was for sure 150% as a non-biased, non-DC fan, two games, uh, potentially three. And, oh, man, some of those – kicks were like like easy kicks to make and Winnipeg had terrible kicking till they got uh Castillo at the end there too but I don't know it pissed me off because eh? I had money on BC in a couple of those games against the riders and if it wasn't for that clown they would have won and I would have uh, won a good chunk of money because the Lions had great odds against the riders but uh, anyway, enough of that. I just, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You guys got a good kicker this but year, so you, your problems you're, you're with that right. should be solved. Rudy, you're 100%. Winnipeg yeah. had shitty kicking last year, okay? But it didn't cost them any games. 
They were no, usually no. a dominant what force time, during time the game. Yeah. That the the kicking Which didn't really matter, okay. although it was frustrating as hell. Frustrating as hell. I understand that, but it didn't cost the game. CJ, we killed Edmonton, and I was at the game in Winnipeg, drove into the city, and I don't want to pull shit out of my ass, but I feel like we beat them by 30 or 45 points minimum. And the punter, or sorry, the kicker missed uh, three straight field goals, and the fans had nothing to be mad about. They were up by like 40 points, and they booed his ass off the field. It it was great. I, I understand that, right? And actually, it's a funny story, and I don't know whether how long you've been paying attention to our, our show, but I, I've told this story several times. Uh, way back when, way, way, way back when, when Matt Dunnigan went from B.C. to Winnipeg, he came back to the stadium to B.C. Place. And I'm, I, don't get me wrong, I was a fan of Matt Dunnigan back then, so I, it, there was no hard feelings with him. But I was front row right behind the Bombers bench on the right-hand side. And I heckled um, Troy Westwood. And I just went at him and went at him and went at him. And I screamed at him. And I called him all sorts of things. And he'll give it back to you, that guy. He did. He did, without question. And uh, I got him frazzled. And he missed five or six (laughs) field goals in that game. Okay, and he literally he threw his kicking tee at me. He crumbled up the kicking net into a little ball, and he was so mad he flipped over the the bench and and he literally threw the kicking tee at me. And he he went zero for six in field goals. I'm pretty sure it was six. And uh, at the end of the game, um, Andre Andre Francis intercepted Matt Dunnigan in the end zone, ran the ball out to about the twenty yard line and walked right over to the, to the rail and handed me the football. And he said, you won this game for us. Thank you. And I still have that football. That's sick. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I believe you 150%. I, I wasn't, like, watching when, uh, when he played, but, I mean, I've heard all about him, seen him on spot. He, he, he created the banjo bowl, hey? Um, but yeah, oh, no, 100% I heard him on the podcast. No doubt about that. He even said that. He even said that back then. He said some things he shouldn't have. But I don't know. Like, if I was watching at that time, I yeah, I I don't I don't like shit like that. Like, what what you did is hilarious as a fan. What he did just shows the stupidity. Like, you're 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 supposed to be a professional football player, and you're letting a fan get in your head. Like to me, that's just embarrassing. But yeah, he was definitely a character in the league back then. But you're right. I mean, players should not be reacting and engaging uh, engaging um, fans online. Nothing really good can come of that for the players. No, like, like just only bad head, things like, can like, happen. Yeah, like if you're if you're the player, like don't say anything to the fan in your head. Be like, hey, you're the I'm the professional athlete here. You're the loser who's paying to watch me. But you don't need to say anything mm-hmm. to the fan. Like, <laughs> come on, like. You don't see NBA players are terrible at that too. I don't know. You don't see hockey players. Yeah, but the and, fans are so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Okay. Even I don't know if you guys ever see it or saw on the news there, different sports, but uh, and they're dickheads there. The Yankees fans were cheering and yelling at a Minnesota Twins player who got injured at Yankee Stadium, 
And then two of the twins outfielders last week jumped the fence and tried getting at the fan. And then I after the game, they're literally, yeah, oh, they're a bunch of dickheads. Watch uh, after the podcast, the, uh, there's a breakdown. John Boy Media does it. It's pretty funny. And he's a Yankee fan, and he even said they're a bunch of scumbags. They're throwing beers at them. And Aaron Judge, one of the best young players at the game, had to come out and tell his own fans to calm down. Like, yeah, just, down. I don't know. I hate, I hate New York in every sport. I, I can't stand New York. Anyhow. So, yeah, I, I mean, you can, as a fan, you have the way you have the ability to impact a game, but you have to do it very tactfully. And if you can get in yep. a, a superstar or an all-star or a very important player's head, you can impact the outcome of a game. And we have seen that over and over again, whether it's in hockey, whether it's in soccer, whether it's in basketball, whether it's in football. And uh, I, I'm very proud to say that I did. I accomplished it once in my life. And uh, I have the souvenir to prove it. And I went yep, to get no, Andre Francis to sign the thing, and I turned out, found out he's a crackhead or something. Okay. <laughs> so that didn't work well. Uh, and I, and I, I, I actually might have the player wrong, but I don't think so. Uh, I, I think it was Andre Francis. Anyhow, um, enough for that. CFL draft. Uh, what am I disappointed about? I really was kind of hoping that one or both of the Philpot twins was going to end up in BC because they're homeboys and Corey lives in town and uh, coaches football in, in Vancouver and everything else. I, I truly believe deep down in my soul that they will be coming home to BC Lions and it won't be that long, whether it's a year or two, as soon as free agency comes up there. They're coming home. They they're they're going to want to play in BC. They grew up wanting to play in the BC Lions uh, with their daddy doing it. Uh, that would be a, a wonderful thing. Uh, that's the only thing on the draft that I actually paid attention to, and I you know nothing else really mattered. Uh, do I care that they're Canadians? No, I care that their father's an alumni. That's the difference. They could have been from Memphis. They could have been from. Los Angeles, I don't care. But, you know, if uh, Dante Marsh's kid comes up to Vancouver, comes up to the CFL, I want him playing for BC Lions because there's a legacy there, right? And uh, I think that that's really important. So I don't, it's, I, I don't care that they played youth sports. I don't care that they were Canadians. I don't care that they were born in Canada. I care that their father played for the BC Lions. And, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that, oh, yeah, this this draft was important. Um, but, no, I wish they had come to BC without question, but not because they were Canadians. So what what surprised you about the draft, Charles? Uh, I'm kind of with you. I honestly thought that one of the – at least one of the Philpots would end up with the BC Lions. Um, he is, uh, like we said before, they are um, – Corey's an alumni, played for the team. Um, they both look like, from their college days, they seem to be pretty talented uh, receivers, at least in the CIS world or whatever it's called, U-Sports now, I guess. Uh, but I really uh, thought that we'd see at least one of them, but it wasn't meant to be, apparently. So they went on to um, Calgary, and one went to Calgary, one went to Montreal. So um, it is fair. what it is. Yep. Yeah. So. But I'm disappointed. I'm I was a hoping to see one here. I'm a little shocked at Huffnagel. 
I'm really shocked at Hoffnagel doing that, knowing that he did more than likely, and he's one of the ones that says that, that he likes to, to, to draft close to home because drafting from players from back east tend to go back home to east. And, well, you know, players from the west tend to go home they to the west. Played at Cal- they played in Calgary at University, so at that's the dinos. at least yeah, still fairly the close. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that, but in and Montreal is a bit of a shock too. So you know, we'll see what happens. It's not the end of the world. No, oh, that's true. Might get cut. It's also possible as well. You don't know. Training camp, they might get cut. They don't. I don't think they will. But that's beside the point. Mm. Uh, Rudy, 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 Rudy. What shocked you about this CFL draft? Um. I can tell you it didn't shock me. <laughs> um, I I don't know. There's a few people heckling about Jones and the Elks uh, trading that first overall pick. Nope. I didn't think it was a bad move. Uh, you guys know as well as anyone. Fell draft, and they did try doing a little better with pumping it up a bit this year, but there still wasn't much. They had a little bit of draft coverage. But, um, yeah, it's... it's I compared it to, like, a, a junior hockey league over the WHL that's provincial. Like, you got to pick the best players that you think can play on your team that can help you right away, or you can develop in the future that won't be good enough to make the NFL, if that makes sense. And that's the thing with those two brothers. Like, even as a Bomber fan, I thought that would have been cool. I was hoping they'd both go to BC. But that's the thing. Like, for all we know, I mean, and there's – I mean, people are favoring that they're probably going to end up in the NFL. I mean, we don't know that either yet, and they still have to obviously sign with their teams. But uh, I was surprised uh, Montreal dipped in on one. Um, I, You know what? The only guy I actually have heard of other than those brothers was uh, Ford, who uh, Winnipeg actually ended up drafting. Uh the CFL's Instagram team said that it was Montreal, <laughs> but it was Winnipeg. They had to correct that later. There was a kid who's younger than me who was uh, doing better draft coverage than PSN, on, and he's on uh, CFL Central on Instagram. But, uh, yeah, other than that, fellas, I, I don't got much on it. Um, it's the CFL draft, what can I say? Um, I don't think any of these moves are going to make or break the next year or two for any of these teams, but we'll see what happens. What what position do these two Philpots play? Do you know, Charles? They're, they're both wideouts. They're both receivers. Yeah. Okay. The big, the big article, I think it was Naylor, I forget. There's a big article last week saying if, if Campbell is going to make a move to draft both brothers and they'd become the, the new Sedins of Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I think I think at least one of them, like, they're pretty good-looking young football players. I, I don't – I think they'll have a good crack in the NFL. But you never know. Like, you don't see a lot of Canadian wide receivers playing in the NFL either at the same time. So, And, and you guys could – maybe you guys – made a pick that'll help you guys in the future and like you guys were saying they could just turn around and go back home but I mean Calgary is obviously a good 
good organization to be drafted to. I don't see that one who got drafted to Montreal wanting to stay there forever, no matter what happens. But yeah, Jalen's going to the Stampeders, and uh, what's the other one? Um, I don't remember his name. Charles Tyson's going to Montreal. Yeah. And the thing is, that's probably why uh, the Lions didn't take them, being that they're both receivers. And really, the Lions, uh, they that's one of their strongest points on their team is their receiving core. So it's not like this was a team that was begging for uh, receivers. So that, that may have played into the fact why they didn't get selected as well. A hundred percent, and and that's what I was thinking too, was that we're so. I mean, you got Burnham Whitehead, uh, you know how how many? We got five solid receivers right now. Why do we need two little junior guys? I don't think it would have been fair to them. No one talks about them much either, but I really think that Rhymes and BC could be in for a breakout season. But yeah, no, BC's got a stronger season for. Yeah, and it may be also, too. But then again, I mean, guys like Burnham, guys like Lucky Whitehead, those might be good guys for those young receivers to learn underneath, too. So that could have been right. a thing as well. But, I mean, Burnham's only got a year or two left, right? I mean, probably. Give or take. I was gonna That's about that. what's going to happen. I was going to say that. I hate, I hate to say it, but I don't see – I mean, he hasn't shown much decline, but I don't see Burnham in the league for much more than a year or two. Yeah, I mean, what he, he, he clearly passed his prime, but even though he had a good year again last year, but he's, he's not, on the he's downward not slope. He's his prime. I, I don't what know is, if he's on the downward you don't slope think or so? not. How, how, I don't, no, I don't know how you could say that. I, I think he, he performed just as well last year as he has in any year. I'm just mainly uh, basing it on age. Yeah, I, I understand that. Pass his prime in age. But there's there's some players out there that just do not show age, and he is not showing any. He is not letting up. He is still making spectacular catches. He's still in the top of the league, uh, and and the fact that Lucky Whitehead is there and they're sharing the ball. Lions had what uh, two of the top three or two of the top four receivers last year in the league. I, I'm yep. sorry, he's not letting up at all. He's not letting up at all, and he's not past his prime. Although he's 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 a senior football player, but to, to be fair, there have been times where receivers have had good years, and then all of a sudden their production just dropped completely. Look at G. Roy Simon when he left the BC Lions; he was still a thousand-yard receiver. He went to Saskatchewan and did nothing. So I mean, it can be yeah, that, that's that, that players Saskatchewan. will drop off. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But that's different when you 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 change teams and you go in for like, he was the number one, number two receiver in BC. And then he goes into Saskatchewan. He was not the fifth receiver in that season. Of course, his, his numbers are going to drop off. They had everybody else already in play there. Right. The only reason why he got, he got any notoriety in Saskatchewan was he scored two touchdowns in the great cup because everybody else was being covered and they left G Roy alone. Mm-hmm. And that's just stupid. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to blame D-Roy for that one. The thing with Brian Burnham, too, is he seems like the type of guy where 
if he had a bad year, he's a top one to three guy in the league. He's so respected. I, I think he'd get a second chance. And I think he's the type of guy that's like an Adam Big Hill. Like, if he can stay consistent, maybe he will play later than we all think he will because I think he would take less money to keep playing. But, I mean, there's going to be a time where I feel like that guy's going to want to win, win, win a ring before he uh, – retires but i don't know what you guys sign him to if it's a one or a two-year deal but you got uh, whitehead for the next two years and if he stays healthy he really opens up the field for burnham so i don't know should it all it'll all be in your guys' quarterback it'll be exciting to watch i mean brian burnham was number two in the league 14 games so he's four games off of a, rate, a normal season and 965 yards that was a thousand yard season regardless of what anybody wants to say he would have had a thousand yards no problem right lucky whitehead came in at 932 yards only 30 33 yards off of brian burnham in fourth place and that's also playing with some of the year with a rookie quarterback too yeah yeah Yeah, only three games well three games is a lot when you're down to 14 games yeah, it's a lot, and, and when you're only seventy or sixty-eight yards off of a thousand, like Lucky Whitehead was for fourth, and Brian Burnham was only out by thirty-five yards. I mean, that, that, that's just give him another quarter. Yeah, never mind. You four think, games. You know, yeah, no, give him another Lucky quarter. White had missed three games with a broken hand. Pro, True. Pro rated their both Two games. Two games. Yeah, but. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that this year. I'm okay, yeah, I don't want this to turn into a BC BC show tonight, so let's talk about somebody else. I, I really cannot. I'm on CFLCA, and I really don't have any information on the draft. I mean, you got yeah, it's a, weird a story to fill up that sibling rivalry. <laughs> Uh, there wasn't a whole lot. Why of I love watching the CFL draft night. No, there's just nothing. Bomber yeah. signs this. Ryder sign that. Stamp sign Americans. Laundry's five takeaways. Uh, but where's the player by player uh, draft? It's just not yeah, there. I couldn't fight that. Uh, the report. There, yeah. There's a no, there's a we... mock draft. Whatever you guys want, but I think we covered the draft. Good enough for what it is. I think we should move on here. You're probably right, but, you know, there, there's not – I mean, when the CFL.ca website doesn't have anything on the draft, it's got to tell you how important it really is. Yeah. You know, I'm just just, just going there. The CFL doesn't support it. I mean, what else? Uh, uh, who cares? And T- hey. TSN, like, spends literally nothing on their coverage. One of the most embarrassing parts, because I watched the first little bit of the draft. I didn't watch all of it because I got bored after a while. And I had a thing to do, but uh, the, the, they are trying to interview the first overall pick. Like, if, if this is the NFL, like, I'm not obviously you can't compare the two, but they got the guy on stage with them. They're trying to interview the first <laughs> overall pick on uh, over the phone, and the phone light kept cracking out. You couldn't tell what the guy said. And I'm thinking, this is your first overall pick. This is supposed to be the big pick of the draft. And you can't even find a decent phone line to talk to this guy on. It was just ridiculous. 
It was embarrassing. Really, really embarrassing. I thought it was horribly embarrassing. But it is what it is. Years ago, they didn't televise the NFL CFO draft, so I guess there's something. But then again, maybe they should have just stuck with that. Who knows? It's not exactly yeah, riveting TV. It's not going to lie, I wouldn't care if they didn't televise it. I'm a huge fan of this league, and I could care less to ever watch the CFO <laughs> draft. <laughs> you got Randy Ambrosi just standing there announcing picks, I mean, in the studio, and then back to the panel. Anyways, yeah. I think we've probably spent enough time on the draft. Maybe two Maybe more than we should have. But you know what, it... You, you got to realize that we, you know, we have so many minutes in the show, and we have to kind of fulfill them. And we don't have Will, although he—that's true. You know, just, just have to have to go with this. So I'm trying to hey, make hey. sure that we fulfill we all topics like to the maximum here. And let me fill in for Will but, here for a second. I don't care. There we go. It's kind of <laughs> like Will being here. We are. We already finished the first quarter, brother. Um, I guess the one thing they could do with the draft, which they won't, which would be cool, throw it, let it, let a different team host it every year, get all their season tickets, free invite, and just sell them liquor and get them piled up and have Randy sitting up there like a clown announcing picks. But then that revenue can go to the league. There you go. Okay. Wouldn't um, be much funny. Just for a second, Rudy. I, if, if you – wrap that idea up and packaged it the way that you just said, I don't think they would go with it. <laughs> no. Uh, Randy the clown out there? No. 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 They're, they're not, they're not going to go for something like that. I understand. It's kind of, it sounds kind of cool. Okay, let's Honestly, we, we I thought he was, now, okay? yeah. Okay, so we got training camp, what, starts on the 8th? So, like, four days, is that correct? No, I believe it starts on the 11th. Oh, okay. I, think you're that rookie rookie, camp? I believe rookie camp starts on the 8th. And then the main camp yeah, starts on the 11th, on the which was a week from today. And the, the main camp starts on the 11th. Correct. That's right. Correct, 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 correct. Right. So, so rookie camp starts on the Sunday. It goes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then all the big – uh, normal guys, <laughs> the veterans or whatever, the main camp starts on the on the Thursday, on the Wednesday, and that's cool. So that's like a week away. So that's kind of exciting. We've got some interesting things to talk about next week. Uh, so with that happening right now, we do know that uh, in a couple of weeks we do not have a CBA. Okay, the collective bargaining agreement between the Canadian Football League and the Canadian Football League Players Association expires. I believe it was June 1st, but I could believe it might be sooner than that. It might have been May 24th oh, it, or something. It, it actually it, expires. I was reading about it. It expires the day before training camp starts. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So then it would be May 10th. Okay. I believe that's right. So it expires. It expires before the start of the season. So they're in negotiations right now. We haven't heard much about it. They've agreed to a bunch of little things. And uh, there's some, you know, there's going to be some money on the table and there's going to be some arguing back and forth, of which the players have little little to any leverage, which is kind of funny. Uh, it, it, it's a typical year because the players never have any leverage. 
Uh, they can't afford a work stoppage, either the team or the players. So I, I, they're going to get something done before the season starts. I have no doubt about that. But here's the one that I absolutely love is the CFL, the league, has submitted a 10-year collective bargaining agreement proposal to the Players Association. Absolutely brilliant of them to do this. Uh, they, you know, we've had a CBA last year because of the COVID, and, and that was an extension from one that was in, I, I believe, came out in 2020, 2019, I believe, came in. And, uh, you know, it's just a whole pile of things have changed and, and everything else. This is a terrible time for the players to go long-term on an agreement. Absolutely terrible time. They've got no leverage. They've got nothing. They're not going to gain anything by it. And they're going to put in, sign up for 10 years. Not going to happen. The players aren't that stupid, or they, they can't be. They are football players, so it might happen. But I don't believe it. I, I love the league trying to do this. I think the CBA should be done every 10 years. I just don't think that this is the year in which to start that because the players are, are definitely going to be the underdog on this uh, agreement, on this contract. No doubt about it. They're the underdogs. They're, they have the most to lose right now. So to go long-term right now does not make sense. But, you know, a year from now or two years from now, um, go long-term for 10 years is, is a, a good move on both parties, especially if the players can get some concessions on uh, contract security. And I think that that's their big bone of contention right now. What you talking about? It's whispering John Charles. Sorry. You didn't mute your mic again. Okay. So, CBA, 10 years. Charles, speak up. Yeah, I think uh, what you could likely do is uh, I think you're going to see, because we are getting that close to the season and so on, and we know, I mean, the players took a strike vote and got like 95%. That, people were freaking out about that. Folks, that's a formality. That happens in every single labor negotiation. There's nothing to panic about. That's just a, a typical thing. They're not going – I mean, I hope they're not that stupid. Uh, like you said, they are football players. But uh, they're going to get this done. If nothing else, what you'll probably see, if they can't get anything long-term, and I'm not, I'm not in the, a dream world. They're not going to do a 10-year deal, not this year. What you're likely to see is the players and owners come up with a bridge deal, which will probably maybe go two, maybe three years, get something both sides can live with because nobody has the stomach for a labor stoppage, and it would just be a death blow for the league. Honestly, it would be the stupidest thing they could possibly do right now. But they're not going to get a 10-year deal, not now. But I would like it if they could get a longer term than two deal, like two years, like, get, you know, even like six to eight years, something like that. So we're not talking about it every two years. But uh, now is not the time. There's no leverage at all for the players. We always say the players have all, never have any leverage, but I think they have even less leverage than they've ever had simply because of the lost COVID season and the shortened season. They've got virtually no leverage. They they know they can't sit out. They The, the, the teams can't sit out. They're, they know better than that. Um, so, yeah, I think ultimately they're going to come up with some sort of – they'll either come up with like a two- or three-year bridge deal 
or they won't get a brand new deal. They'll say, you know what, we're not going to have any labor stoppage. We're going to play based on last year's uh, numbers, and we're going to keep talking uh, into next year. There's not going to be any sort of labor stoppage. They simply can't afford it. Yeah. Definitely going to agree get with that, that worked out. That's kind of my thinking. Yeah. Yeah, not arguing with that. Okay, Rudy, got anything on this? <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I was excited for this topic, but I don't really uh, know what to say here. Charles uh, took the words right out of my mouth. Um, the only thing I could add is... Uh, I agree with that whole strike thing, like nothing to be worried about, but I am a little bit concerned. Like, I don't know about you guys. No, I'm not, not about the players. I just hope the league doesn't do something stupid and really gets their shit together. Like, why would they even offer a 10 year agreement? Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd love that, but I'd be, I'd be, I'd be more than happy with a three year just because I know the players aren't going to accept anything more than that. Like, I just, I just want to get this thing locked in. Rudy. COVID, COVID done and guarantee that we're going to play football the next however many years. I don't know. Rudy. It's, just, it's getting – you're, you're, Rudy, 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 Rudy. You're a youngin' here, okay? They, the, the players want a one-year deal, okay? That's just the fact of the matter because they know they're, they're at the bottom end of the, of, of the importance right now and that they're, they're in no position to ask for money. They're in no position to – ask for concessions. They're no, in no position to do anything. So the sooner the league gets more stable and is able, they're able to come back to the bargaining table sooner, the more chances they're going to get more money out of it. So they want a one-year deal right now. Okay? Great. With the league coming agree. out with a 10-year deal, they're coming, the league came out with a 10-year deal, the, the league now has said, this is, we want to go long-term on this, so they might come together in the middle at a three-year deal, which is probably best for everybody, including the, especially the league. Not so much for the players, but it would be good for the league right now to come in with a three-year deal. But you've got to start high in your negotiations. You came out with right now, okay, I'm going to offer a three-year deal. Players are going to say, well, we want a one. We're going to end up at two. Uh, you know, there's a happy point. So when you go high like this, mm-hmm. it's a negotiation tool. It's nothing more than that. Um, you know, they, they're going to say, okay, well, we want 10. The players are going to say, we want one, we'll take two. And the league's going to come back and says, no way, we want six. And the players have no argument here. So, you know, it may end up being three, three or four-year deal. And you know what? I could be completely off base with this one, but that is, that's what it is. It's a tool. And that's why they yeah, offer it. Your, they, they, it's a marketing. They threw it's it up a, there it's there. a negotiation ploy. That's all that is. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just, I know it's usually always worked out. I just, I hope the players aren't that stupid to, I don't, I don't know how they could afford not to play. And even for the league fellas, like, yeah, we'd like to see a little bit higher salary caps. We'd like to see the players get paid a little more. Not, it's not bad where it is right now, but, um, even a week, uh, it's going to need two, three years. We need, we need butts in the center, like we talk about. 
better ways of marketing to, to even recover from this? Because I'm sure the league took a big loss last year, last year. Yeah, even Everybody with the did. shortened season, everyone. They, they've lost a lot of money in the last two years. This is why we're all saying that they're not going to have any labor stoppage. I don't know about other teams, but Winnipeg actually surprisingly made money last year, but that's just because they said they did. They, I mean, they did good with tickets, but they said they sold way, way more um, merch after they won the Grey Cup, even more than in 2019 for whatever. Like, people were going crazy. And something about they had the highest jersey sales in years. But, um, no, I, I know the riders usually make money, and they lost a lot, but part of that was from getting screwed with the whole Grey Cup thing and what happened there with COVID. And then Edmonton, they usually make money, and they lost a lot, but they had – I don't even know what their base attendance was. It looked like next to Nome was in the stands last year, which they, they didn't have a very good product on the field. But, no, anyway, I know the league did lose money, I just wanted to say. I, I do know for a fact Winnipeg did make money last year somehow. Yeah, I, and I'm sure there are teams out there, and, and people will argue with you and say that BC never made money last year, but I'm pretty sure they did. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, you guys had a cap on your your uh, your capacity for seating, but I believe they sold to the cap. I think I don't know. You guys would know more than it's that. It's not like, like weren't you guys only about ten or fifteen thousand fans or something? Who's that, Rudy? Lions? Rudy, BC. Yeah, the the they Lions only had fifty uh, percent, which is about thirteen thousand. Okay, the Lions make more money from sponsorship than any other team in the league. Correct. Okay? So David Braley told me personally that he only needs to see 12,000 fans in the stands and he makes money. Okay? At the time, the the Lions were averaging about 19,000, and I was concerned because I was told the magic number is 20,000 fans in the stands for uh, CFL teams to break even. And I said, are you, you know, what's happening there? And, and he said, yeah, we got so much money in sponsorship that uh, we can go down to 12000 before we start to lose money. Yeah. So, yeah, when that's good all because of yeah. one very special man that we miss immensely, Bobby Ackles. Mm-hmm. And, and he set up a sponsorship program with the corporate businesses in, in BC. And Called the it's, Water Boys. It's alive and well today. It's called the Water Boys, and it, it's an amazing organization. Yep. So, yeah. B, BC made money last year, regardless of what people want to think or say. I don't care. I know they made money. Uh, now, is their sponsorship going to go down? Uh, yeah, I believe it will, just a little bit, but we'll see why, and we'll see what happens. I, I uh, think Edmonton is going to – go ahead, Chair. I was just going to say I think Edmonton should re- recover a little bit next year. I mean, I don't care what people say. What they did was smart. Like, I know it's not an agenda. It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. We talked about him before. He had all the drug charges, blah, blah, blah. But signing that clown, Martavis Bryant or whatever, like, that gets younger people talking. Like, that guy was big for a little while in the NFL – and even some of those good CFL veterans, 
you sign guys like that, sell your season tickets, and then, oh, they're not playing. Well, you already sold the tickets. Huh. Good for you. But then they, they cut I never them thought. already. Yeah, yeah, and I, I never thought about it that way. But, like, it's not crazy, but you know what I mean? It does build a little bit of hype. Sure. I don't disagree. But, uh, but that's yeah, short-term, though. Yeah, yeah, but if you get your season tickets sold, Charles, you're a little yeah, bit no, ahead of the ball game. That's fair. No, that's a good. That's a fair point. I'm very interested because tomorrow it got announced that the BC Lions are going to have some major announcement of a pregame concert before their home opener. Uh, apparently, they're bringing in a big act. Now, no one knows who it is. They won't know until tomorrow, but. I'll be interested to see what kind of buzz that actually creates, depending on who it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that place full. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see every stadium full. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Like, I know Will's not on the show tonight, but even Calgary, to me, they don't have amazing fan support for how good they are year in, year out. But they're well, they have trouble a- selling their building. Yeah. But the good thing with them is they're owned by a big money group that probably similar to Toronto uses them as a tax rate off. So yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Yes. And no. Um, what? Yeah. I don't think any team out there has enough fan support to to sit on their laurels. Even Saskatchewan's fans are fickle. Yeah, they they used to have they used to have a, a waiting list of like twenty years to get season tickets, and that list is just shriveled up where they didn't sell all the season tickets last year. Uh, Winnipeg won two back to back Grey Cups, and they're not selling out the stadium. I don't think the fan support is there for anybody or everything. You know, it's, 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 it's dwindling and people are either have to admit this and, and realize that there's something seriously the matter or we just stick our head in the ground and ignore it until there isn't a leak yet. And that's what a lot of too people many want. people We're, feel. Yeah. Too many people like uh, want to do that. And it's stupid mistake in my opinion. Yeah, and, no, and I'm not talking about creating something that I'm not talking about creating uh, changing the game drastically to meet, match something else. That, that's just ludicrous and stupid. But you have to do something different. And marketing, I don't care how much money you market. I, I really don't care. I, I've been in business for 35 years, and Marketing doesn't work. Regardless of what people want to say, and people miss it not seeing it, but there's really nothing that you can do right now to make more fans come out to a BC Lions game. There's no amount of money that you can spend on billboards, on this or that, or on gimmicks, or anything else that is going to make more fans come out to the game. There's nothing. I don't care how much money you spend. 
I really don't. Spend $10 million on marketing. It's not going to generate 10% fans. It doesn't work. Marketing doesn't work. Regardless of what marketing experts want to tell you, it doesn't work. Okay? Uh, you want to do two-for-one games? Yes. That probably will get some, some fans come out. Will it create long-term fans? No, it won't. Um, you, you can't do it, right? And one thing I learned in marketing or in, in, in sales a long time ago was never give away something that you sell. Okay? That's an important feature. Never give away something that you sell. So if the BC Lions sell season tickets or sell tickets, never give them away. So two for one is a dumb idea. Giving away junior tickets is a dumb idea. You don't do that. That's not how you market a football team. Okay? You don't do it. Um, you have to make something that is desirable for the, play, for the fans to come out to watch. You have to have a draw for them. Okay? And until you change the game and make it desirable, more exciting, or less mundane, you're not going to change the fans. And I, I honestly don't think there's anything the matter with the game. The game itself is fine. It's exciting as hell. Why don't people want to come out and watch it? They should. Why don't they? Why are Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans in the decline? Hey, I'll, I can comment on that because I, I, I did go to a game in Saskatchewan last year, and it was it was a sellout. That was the Labor Day game, though. So Saskatchewan, when the CFL came back, they sold out a few games. Um, after that, they'd maybe they'd be about two to five k from selling out. Okay, Saskatchewan. A lot of the Rider fans uh, weren't into the old vaccine thing, and I've talked to people from Saskatchewan and family there. They they lost fans tremendously, and they're the last team to do it. I think they'll be back to normal this year. I'm not saying sell out every game, but they'll be within five k of a sellout every game minimum. I bet. They brought that oh, vaccine course. rule in. They right. brought that vaccine rule in, Christopher, and the first game after they brought that frickin' rule in, they dropped about half their crowd. Um, yep. I, I, another agreed. thing I'll bring and, up. And the, COVID is a total different subject. But even go prior to the COVID, go back to, to, 19, uh, to 2019. 2019. Okay? 2019. The Riders did not sell out all of their season tickets. No, no. Okay. But I don't, I mean. Their games were sellouts. They had some games that were sellouts, and especially Labor Day that will always sell out, right? But when when you have a 20-year wait list for season tickets, and then all of a sudden that list is vaporized, and you cannot sell out all of your season tickets, you, you, you need to sit up and wake up. Because there's something, something wrong. Pay attention. And I agree. And, and that's something that the whole league needs to look at. And I do agree 100%. But, like, right now and for the, like, the next few years, for me, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not really concerned about the Riders or the Bombers. Like, there's other teams I'm concerned about. I know you don't want to see it keep trending down, and that's not good. But say if you have a 35,000-seat stadium and you sell 28 to 32,000 Seats per game on average. I'm pretty darn happy with that. I am. Yeah, you're doing really pretty well at that. I, I would agree with that. 
You do a pretty well. Like, I'm, I'm not concerned about the league. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not concerned about the league. Okay? I'm not concerned about any one particular team. I'm looking at a trend. Okay? And, 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 and trends usually go turn around and become a problem if you don't correct them, especially downward trends. Okay, upward trends are usually a good thing, and you don't try to stop them. But a downward trend is a downward trend. And if you don't stop it, it will avalanche. Okay? And, and the league is in a downward spiral, regardless of what anybody wants to say, and COVID didn't help. If anything, it yeah, made no, it I, worse. I, I, but it wasn't the cause of it, because it was happening before COVID. Great, yes, great. it was not yeah. the cause. It's like the people right now who are saying that, oh, well, the Atlantic schooners died because of COVID. No, they Ugh. were fucking dead long before COVID. They, okay? they died before And, and it, that's just an excuse or justification I, for your pathetic. Yeah, I, Never mind. I, I don't know, but yeah, and then the thing with Winnipeg, I'll just quickly throw in, and, and you're right, I'm not disagreeing with you about the whole downward trend thing. I think Mark, back when he was on the show, maybe brought it up a time or two. Um, so with Winnipeg, whether they're successful or not, they still they do have a pretty good season ticket count for members. Not a sellout for season ticket holders by any means, but means, but I believe they have about eighteen to twenty ish thousand season ticket holders. Um Will's listening to the show. Anyway, um so Winnipeg they got a lot of a lot of fans that like they have money the season ticket holders. Not all of them but a lot of them. And they have homes in say Florida or Miami or they have cabins out in all our lakes in Manitoba or even in western Ontario, not too far from Winnipeg. When they have those midsummer Friday night games, the best times I think it is to go to them, a lot of those people will be gone to the lake. But then when you get into October and they're in a race or whatever, even if they're not doing amazing, they usually sell more seats. Now, I know it's different everywhere, but it's not its not an excuse. I'm just, what I'm getting at is a lot of the times in Winnipeg, those tickets are sold even if the stadium only looks three quarters full. And they're not always sellouts. They only, I think they had two or three sellouts maybe last season, maybe four. But yeah, they they they're within four to six thousand fans away from a sellout every game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I is, think it's wonderful. Which, but the fact is, that it wasn't it wasn't sold out, okay? And there was no, a time no. where it would have been, and that wasn't that long ago. Okay, there was a time yep. where BC Lions were averaging over fifty thousand people per game. Okay. Those days are yeah, I wish long I would come for that. gone. Yeah. Okay. Those aren't coming back. Would we love to see the re- no, that that's not true, Charles. Hmm? They're, uh, that's not I, true. I wanna... But they're not coming back though with status quo. Okay, fair. I okay, know, I see what you mean. Yep. I wanna agree with you, but I kinda agree with Charles. like I don't know. I mean, guys, I'm I'm 24 years old. I've been watching this league only since 2005, and only really hardcore for the last eight nine years. And I, I I'd have tears in my eyes if I saw if I saw Edmonton even with like 45, 50 thousand like bucks in the seat. I, I'd love to see that. I haven't seen that yet in my whole life of watching the CFL. 
The most fans I've seen in a stadium is, I don't know, 38,000 maybe. I've been in BC Place a few times where they had over 50,000. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that'd be that'd be sweet to see. <laughs> that, that, that'd be like, yeah, I don't know. That'd be like a college stadium in America. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a pretty special event when that happens, yep. Rudy. I've been to several of the games like that. Um, I, I can think of uh, the, the 94 Grey Cup game was like that. Um, I did the Western Final in right? 2006 between the Lions and Saskatchewan, it, where there was over, or was it, two, no, it was 2000, and, well, one of the years, uh, between the Lions and Saskatchewan, and yeah, they had over 50,000 there, and we were actually tailgating in the parking lot. The game didn't start to one, of the, 1 o'clock. We got there at 9 a.m., and it was a lot like the old, um, um, we actually had a guy that was on there that posting videos on uh, on YouTube about it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was something else. And then, of course, the uh, city of Vancouver clamped down on that. That all ended. And, yeah, but it's gone down. But it is, when you get, like, in that stadium, including the BC Place, because it's built between two viaducts, when you get 50,000 people in there, it's kind of like, uh, sounds like 80,000 because of the sound reverberating off the viaducts and so on. It just gets stifling loud in there. Yeah, the stadium built on top of the field. And yeah, that would that'd be amazing to see that many people jacked up watching watching a game. And uh yeah, you guys can thank your twenty twelve or whatever twenty eleven Vancouver Canucks uh fans for fucking that up. <laughs> I wish they allowed what are you talking about? bullshit. We didn't fuck it up. We were there. I was there. You were at that um. game. What the twenty eleven? Yeah, eleven great. No, he's talking. He's talking the Stanley Cup. He's talking the the riots in Vancouver. Isn't that when they banned tailgating and all that fun stuff in Vancouver? No, it was it was banned before that because the problem is there aren't any really good tailgating parking lots around BC Place anymore, simply because uh, they've all been taken away. They've built condos on it. Most oh, of yeah, the parking lots the par- yeah, are all like parkades and so you can't really uh, do that in a parkade, but they're all um uh yeah, they're all inside of parkades and stuff like that. Like open parking lots, there's virtually none around the stadium. The, the I only, gotcha, I the gotcha. only tailgating they saw in Vancouver right now is like a mile away and it's in a McDonalds parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh I'll get Will I'm serious. in for the night. Or uh no, I believe you. Uh I'll be Will for a second. So when uh when I go to Toronto to watch a few Jays games and the Bombers and Argos game this summer, me and the old lady we were looking at uh we wanted to go to Wayne Gretzky's. Oh, restaurant. don't you even it's, say uh, that. Don't you don't you disrespect your girlfriend like that. My girlfriend she loves it. Me and the old My girlfriend. No, 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 my girlfriend. So, okay, okay. So, we're we're looking at uh, we're looking at going to Wayne Gretzky's Bar and Grill. Very successful. It's his only one. Lots of people go. Um, 
they uh, they shut down uh, that restaurant, and it was successful. <laughs> and uh, they had to do that to make room for new Canadians for the new condos um, in downtown Toronto. So we won't get to go there, and sadly, it's never coming back. Okay. You got that comment? Did you understand that? What comment what Will just said? You can never be Will, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I chuckled. <laughs> but anyway, I think that, that was me. And yeah. Anyhow. They actually, so, did, I mean, they did that. Sorry, I was just going to say they did that with the Bombers old stadium. It's tore down, and now there's condos there, of course, too. So, But anyway. I, I honestly believe that there, things can have to change for the majority of CFL cities. And until that happens, this league is going to flounder. And uh, I've, we've gone over that one. We don't have to beat that horse again. We can move on. But that's what the 10-year collective got, agreement got to. And we're, we just, like, kind of got totally off track. But we're still talking football. Um, this one's going to confuse me because segment two and segment – is this segment 2B or segment 2A? Or Sorry, I, I screwed up the so. numbers because some of the stuff I used was, was, was stuff from last week, last week that we didn't get to, and I screwed up the numbers on it. it it's so fun to bug you, Charles. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. But I have yeah. Will's going to miss this because yeah. he likes picking on me for that too, so – Oh, it'll happen again okay. next week, I'm sure. CFL's Touchdown Atlantic game scheduled for July 16th between the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Toronto Argonauts at Acadia University sold out within one hour tickets going on sale on Tuesday. Well, it was a week ago Tuesday. And this was something that was on the agenda for last week, and we never got to it, and it was kind of cool, but... When you're only selling out 10,000 tickets and it's a novelty and Saskatchewan Rough Riders are in it, that means how many Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans are going to travel to this game because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Tra- Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans travel more around Canada than any other team, any other team fan base, and it's a novelty game, so more people are going to want to go to it, okay? And there's also more Saskatchewanites, I don't know what else to call them, uh, banjo-picking inbreds, uh, all around this country, not just in Vancouver and Calgary and everywhere else. Uh, there's more all over the place in this country, so there's going to be more Rough Rider fans in Nova Scotia, in New Brunswick, in PEI already. And they're going to want to go see their team, but that doesn't mean that they would support a local team. So a lot of people are reading into this that, oh, my God, the, the Atlantic Schooners are, 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 are on the rebound and they're going to happen and they're, it, it's now going to happen. Uh, this doesn't mean shit. There's still no team 
There's still no stadium. There's still no owners. There's still no fan support. Bottom line, the Atlantic Schooners are dead. Why are we having touchdown Atlantic games? Now, the other thing that I'm going to question is, why do we always have Toronto Argonauts home games as the touchdown Atlantic games? The only time that we didn't have Toronto as the home team was when Hamilton didn't have a stadium. Tim Bitfield wasn't open yet. It was in construction or whatever else, and Hamilton was playing it at Guelph or wherever. So they put off, they put Hamilton out into the touchdown Atlantic. That's the only time that they've done that. Otherwise, it is mostly Toronto as the home team. So they're taking a home game. They're taking home game revenue away from the Toronto Argonauts. They're taking the Toronto Argonauts fans lose a game that they get to go see. Why are you constantly picking on Toronto? And the Saskatchewan game, which would probably be one of their probably be their biggest draw of the season. Hundred percent. So th- that makes away. no sense. No. Well. I don't want to sound biased, but I know a lot of the Bomber players on the East Coast wanted to play in that game um, that are from the East Coast. Um, basically, you have to have an East Coast team because the CFL, and they always do that East versus West, which I kind of wish it was just one to nine. Um, the league offers is in Toronto. It is Toronto. That's how it is with Toronto in every sport. And another reason I could see it being is MLSD has some of the deepest pockets in Canada. And on top of that, I mean, I hate to pick on them, but the Argos by far have the worst attendance in the CFL, so they're probably looking at it like, so, hey, let's just throw this game over here. Then the Argos can have a home game where there's lots of fans at it, even though probably, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'd like to think about 85% of these fans or 80% of them will be Saskatchewan fans. But wouldn't that make sense to have those fans in Toronto where Toronto Argonauts get the revenue? And they're going to get more than 10,000 fans at a, at a Toronto Argonaut Saskatchewan Rough Rider game at BMO Field. So Maybe. why go to a stadium that maxes out at 10,000? No, 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 no. No, there's no, there's no maybe about that. There's no fucking yeah. maybe about that. Um, go back to the schedule for 2021, okay, which was last year. Okay. Now, did Saskatchewan play in Toronto? I believe they did. did. Hamilton did. Well, I feel like Montreal did. Ottawa's going to have the over. BC, Hamilton, Edmonton. No, they didn't. didn't. Saskatchewan did not play. They didn't play last year. Okay. Okay. So let's go back to. Just because we can, we're going to go back to 2019 because we're going to know that that happened because you get to play yeah, in every stadium every year. Okay. So let's see. Hamilton, BC. Um, While you're looking that up, Winnipeg, um, Edmonton. Even like Charles. Montreal. 
I don't know if you've ever looked into it, but I like I I remember hearing it. Ta- I didn't think the Argos ever got more than like anywhere from nine to thirteen thousand last year. Um, now, this is just last year. Yeah, I, I type in Toronto Argonauts ATT, and the first thing that comes up is attendance problems. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna do a a quick look through the uh, 2021 Argos home schedule here. Just to look I did. At this. They yeah. didn't do, and they didn't play Saskatchewan. Well, I'm just seeing what they got in terms of attendance here for and, Toronto. Like first game against the Bombers, uh, uh, 98-66. Brutal. And then Charles, uh, look at this Friday night in Toronto against the Owls. We have. A whopping seven thousand seven hundred and fifty-eight. Like that's tough. Another one. Tough. Friday night football <laughs> against their provincial rivals, Hamilton, ninety-seven hundred. Here's the best one of the year. Oh no, sorry. I was going to say a little over twenty-one thousand, but that was actually in Hamilton. Um, yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't do yeah, well. Boy, they didn't like, draw. They were really bad. Okay. That's right. That's but the Saskatchewan game was 12,400. Exactly. Okay. I knew it would be That's 25% more. That's not that good, though. Like, I don't see the problem. It's not that good, and, but it's still 20. Actually, it's their largest draw of the season without question. Yes, and I won't. You took that revenue away from the team. They got does, one big crowd it. last year in Toronto, and that was for the Eastern Final against Hamilton, which was uh, just just over uh, twenty one thousand four ninety two. But you got to think a lot right, of the okay. people can, probably came from Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, for sure, Charles. For sure, buddy. Um, <laughs> see, yeah, but CJ, do you know for a fact? And like, I could be wrong. Does so? Who's getting this revenue then? Like the. Toronto doesn't get any of the revenue, even though it's their home game. The league gets it. Well, like, Toronto, I thought they'd be getting Toronto's going to get some of the revenue. Yeah, 100% yeah. they're going to get some of the revenue. But are they going to get the concession stands? Are they going to get the uh, paraphernalia sales? Are they going to get, you know, all, all the other stuff that comes along? It's not just the gate. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to – I'll get back to you guys, too, because I'm actually going to really look around the stadium and see what it's like. Like, I'm going to a game there this summer, so – I've heard it's I'm a nice stadium. Was, yeah, I've heard that, yes. And I, I'm excited to see how different it is, though. Like, I've also – I've never heard nothing bad about concessions. I'm sure they're fine. You but should have locked I the room. Hard, I, yeah. I've heard it's hard to even find, uh, like, apparel stands in their own freaking stadium. Like, they have stuff, but it's not like a normal team store from what I heard. But we'll we'll see. I, I'm going to get a go this summer, and we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I they're mean, they're 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 one hundred percent a second class citizen uh, compared to Toronto FC in that stadium, which makes me sick because I can't stand soccer. But it is what it is. But yes, you're right. But yeah, like I, yeah, that's something you need to. I mean, I mean, they have been looking at that. But yeah, if there was, if this was an independent owner, I don't even know what he'd be doing right now. Like. Seven to ten thousand fans is not pretty. That's tough. No, I hope they can find money. some way to at least get it up somewhat this year. I don't know how, but we'll see. That sounded a little suggestive. Like... Yeah, I know. I I regretted it when I said it. 
child for the cheerleader. Never mind. No, never I, mind. I, don't want, I can't even get into this, guys, because I've thought about it in so many ways, and I just I don't know what they do anymore. I really don't know. I just hope MLSD keeps covering their ass. And I don't like what will make me mad is say, I know I'm not saying they will, but let's say they are the best team in the East this year. Let's say they. Let's say they're they're sixteen and two. I'll be pissed if they're getting zero fans towards the end of the season. And by zero, I mean nine, ten thousand. Like if, from what I hear, they have a winning team and they struggle. Up. Like what that year, the last year they won the Grey Cup. Apparently, their attendance wasn't very good then. So no, it wasn't. They haven't had good. They haven't had a good attendance for a long time. If you're well, Toronto, they, ran, they won the Grey yeah. Cup in two thousand and twelve. In two thousand thirteen, their season ticket sales went down. Great. And yeah, like if, if to me, if you're Toronto, if you can get 16 to 18 K in there, you're, you're laughing. That's a, That's a step in the right direction. You're winning. Cause like, it is just, I know that's not great overall, but like you, you need better than 9,000. Yeah. And what, and CJ talking earlier about the whole downward spiral and trend, like next year, that'll really scare me if you're seeing, cause COVID to me is kind of done, even though it's, Apparently still going. Um, if if they if they play a game next year, guys, no, it's and not. they get like six thousand. If they play a game next year and get six seven thousand, like that's that's scary. But I don't know. So the the Argos won the Grey Cup in 2017, and then their home opener in 2018, the following year, the year after winning the Grey Cup. Well, they got sixteen thousand four fifty, so that's respectable at least. Better than it was, yep. but it's been going down downhill since then. Although, I should look after the home opener what their attendance was. It probably dropped off considerably. Mm. Yep, down to twelve thousand. Other than it's the city of Toronto, and I don't really care. I do feel bad though. Because, yeah, there is some actual Argonaut fans that are good, passionate CFL fans that are long-time the season Argo ticket Lifers. holders. Yeah, and that, that that can't be fun. Like, man, I'd, I'd hate it if I went to – like, I'd still enjoy going to a game, but I'd hate it if I went to Winnipeg and saw seven to 10,000 seats, seats full of people out of 32 or 35 or whatever it is we got. Like, that would be – I don't know. It's just a tough look. And you can tell, too, when they're playing on TV, they try to only show a couple sections <laughs> if they can because there's usually only – I know I know from talking from a guy who was from Manitoba who moved to Toronto, no one wants to sit on the one side of the stadium even if uh, they get a half-assed decent crowd. Something about the sun gets brutal uh, no matter what. And then if the sun isn't bad, it's something to do with the shade at night. I don't know. But the one side of the stadium is supposed to be way better. East side, I think it is. Maybe it's the east side. Uh, it was one of the two. Okay. So this is where Touchdown Atlantic took us. You know, it seems that we get onto a subject and we, we, we turn left and go somewhere else on that subject and carry on with it and go ranting about. And that, that's okay. Um, but we, we are definitely off topic again with Touchdown Atlantic. And uh, sold out within a minute, which is, to me, is just who cares? 
It's, it's, it, to me, this is exciting news is the draft. And people um, say, oh, see, look at all the interest. Look at all the interest. And I tried to bring up to them, it's one thing to sell out a, a single game uh, in 10 minutes and stuff like that in a 10,000-seat stadium. Let's see them sell out an entire season of uh, 10 games at 25,000-seat stadium. Let's see how well they do then. It's a complete difference. You can't just go by one single game and say, oh, that's it. That doesn't make sense. Well, you can. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you can, but it, yeah. So, moving yeah, I, on, I'll and get... the next story is moot. Chris Jones says there's a lot of people calling to trade the first overall draft pick in 2022. Oh, I meant to take that one out. That's another fault. My mistake, and he did trade it. And I'm not surprised because he didn't give a damn about Canadian players. Rudy, what were you saying? Oh, I I was just saying that's from last week. And not to get on off topic, but I wanted to throw something out quick because I just stumbled across this uh, this article. I know teams lost a lot of money over the last few years, but it says in this article here, MLSE with the Argonauts, the season before COVID, lost a whopping $12 million. That's their, that was their negative that year. Anyway, that's all I got. Well, that is a lot. It's a drop in the bucket to MLSE, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one year of one of their NHL players' salary. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, that's a lot of money as far as the CFL goes. That's like a couple. That's a couple whole payrolls, basically. <laughs> Sorry, so Rick McDonald. We know who Rick McDonald is, right? That's Will McDonald's That's brother, brother. down in Abbotsford. Okay, so I'm re- I'm going through the Let's Talk CFL podcast page right now, and it's uh, Richard Achaleta. At no, I can never pronounce Richard Ray Archuleta. Richard. Yep. Yes, Archuleta. Okay. He says I'm listening yep. to the Let's Talk CFL podcast on Google. It's a very good show. Okay, and then Will's brother comes on, and he goes, what do you think of Will, guy? Kind of an asshole, me thinks. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, yeah, okay. I have a feeling me and Will's brothers would be friends. He he lives in Abbotsford. I don't know why. I know he does. We'll have a beer with him Friday night, Charles. Yeah, hi. I'm from your brother's podcast, and you hang up on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think he would. I don't think he would. He no, doesn't, I'm sure doesn't he like wouldn't. me, but I think I, I think he I think he likes you. I think Rick likes you. He doesn't like me. Well, thank yeah, you, Rick. Okay if you do that. like me, I don't know. Uh, Charles, come on. Everybody likes you. You're you're like the non-offendable person. Okay, you don't offend anybody. Me? No. I I offend as many people as I can. I cause as much controversy as possible, and it gets people talking. And if they talk poorly about me, I don't care. At least they're talking about me. Right? 
So I'm perfectly okay with that. But Richard, thank you for listening to the podcast and sharing your thoughts. Okay. So anyhow, let's uh, let's move on to what what are we talking about? Chris Jones is out of here. Uh, this whiny, snivelly little brat. What's his name? Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, okay, Vernon Adams Jr. is now moving past the human reaction to the unexpected signing of Trevor Harris. If you're not comfortable in your own skin and know that you are the best for that position for your team, then maybe you shouldn't be on the team. So Vernon Adams, who was signed as the quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes, and then three weeks later, Trevor Harris is signed as a backup, and Vernon Adams gets all bent out of shape because this uh, quasi-starter is now on his heels in his own locker room. I think that he should believe in what's best for the team and know that the tandem duo of quarterbacks here is the best in the league and that they have the best chance of doing very well in the East because of it. But no, it's all selfish. It's all about me. I'm going to light your desk on fire. He's childish. Yes. He's he's very childish. The last few paragraphs in this article, the guy sounds like a clown, and it's kind of fitting because Will's not on here. He's the only one that doesn't doesn't mind him. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I was when I quoted three down. Oh, geez, six, seven, eight shows ago, saying we we had a good talk about this. We didn't even know if any of this was credible because they're just saying he said this stuff, and none of us could find any tweets. Um, but with him coming out here and saying this himself, uh, clearly he did make some tweets, and I wish not one of us could get our hands on those to see exactly what he said. But uh, I don't know, guy. This this isn't the guy I want leading my my offense out on the field to go to war with. Like he's acting like a total kid, and to me, it to me you you have two starting quarterbacks one of the only teams in the league with one you should be happy like if, oh, I don't know I guarantee you this guy's going to get injured this year and Harris is going to take over and it's going to be like yeah that's why we signed him mm-hmm. I'm calling I can see that happening yep he's got injured before something's gonna like I don't know I don't know why he's so butthurt about this like, I'd love to have Harris as their backup quarterback in Winnipeg. Not, not he seems play. very like, immature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and especially even when the Owls went out and they said he's still our starter, he's still our guy, and he still acts like a bitch about it. What do you do? You know? Obviously, you want him to be competitive, but you can be competitive and still be a team guy. You don't have to be a dick. Like, I, I'm just excited to see the relationship between these two. Your quarterback, your pitcher, your goaltender, uh, your center, uh, whatever it is, these are all the bitches on your team, okay? These are all the prima donnas. These are all the ones that shit doesn't stink, 
And they're the ones that the world evolves around. Okay? They have this prima donna attitude, and that's not going to change. And I don't care what quarterback it is in this league. They're always going to think that they're, you know, more important than anybody else. I understand that there are people who make some very uh, unselfish decisions, and I'll give credit to Bull Levi Mitchell there where he takes a reduction in pay so that, you know, he can get other teammates on the, you know, his other teammates can get paid more so that he can get some better players on so there's a better team. That's being a team player guy, which I respect. Um, But he's still a prima donna. He's still the quarterback. Um. And, and and every every quarterback is like that. I don't care who you are. And you might be not when you're the second or third string quarterback because you haven't established yourself yet, but the starters out there, they're all think they're the they're God of the team. And when that position is threatened by somebody whether just perceived or real, they go looking for their their safe spot, and that's what Vernon Adams did. He just and his safe spot being a bit non-professional. Yeah, I got yeah, news for you, Vernon Adams. You're a starting quarterback of a professional football league. There are going to be people gunning for your job. It goes with the territory. Everyone's looking for the next starter. Deal with it. You're not five. Right. So, yeah, if he wants to be a bitch about it, he can be a bitch about it. I'm being disrespectful. A, A, he's earned that right. And B, he should grow up. Okay. I'm saying he has, he, he's earned the right. He's the number one quarterback there. He He's earned the right to um, be top hog, okay? And, and and as Charles says, these are the, this is where people are going to get the um, – everybody's going to take a shot for you because that's – everybody out there wants your job. Every quarterback that's not a starter in the CFL wants your job. Back. Back to the matter. Um, that's because Rudy, you disappeared. What? Um, Rudy sent us a message that says his audio just disappeared, and it's basically because he got kicked out by the blog talk bitch. Why does that seem to happen to him once every show? I, it usually happens to me, and it's with about five minutes left in the show, I get kicked out. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, I don't know. Blog there, talk just went blank. It dis- okay. disconnected you. Blog talk disconnected you. Blog I, talk I went does to the that panel for some and, reason. And I said, "Call." It says caller's been dropped. Okay. Um, okay. Well, so. sorry, Charles. Do you want to continue on with what you were saying about I got? No, go ahead. Oh, I already no, did. I, yeah, one one I oh, went okay. all through that. All I said is I got news for you. You're the starting quarterback of a professional football league. There are going to be people that will be gunning for your job. That goes with the territory. Yeah, and and everyone wants to. And I don't know. Maybe I've got used 
I'm not to sound biased, but like, I don't know. It's the, it's been nice the past few years and, in Winnipeg, like, don't get me wrong, Caleros has a certain level of arrogance, and he thinks he's a good player, but he's not hes not a piece of shit. Like, he doesn't portray himself that way. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's a joke. It looks bad. It, it really does. Like, you're a leader of a professional football team. I'd love it, not to compare leagues, I love the CFL, but I'd love it if a... I'd love it if an NFL quarterback said that, all the hype and, and attention that would get online. Like, just plain stupidity. He'd get caught. Okay. Every, every year at this time, Rudy, we all watch Draft Day with Kevin Costner in it. Okay? Great movie. Great movie. And Uh-huh. Absolutely great movie. And during that movie, the quarterback – the starting quarterback for the uh, uh, Cleveland Browns, his name is Drew, okay? I don't remember his last name. I just remember his first name is Drew, okay? And Kevin Costner trades for the first first overall pick with Seattle, okay? And the quarterback thinks that he's going to draft another quarterback. And Drew gets so upset, he goes in, and he lights a fire on his general manager's desk, Kevin Costner's desk. Lights the, lights the office on fire because he's so mad that Kevin Costner traded for the first overall draft pick, assuming that he was going to draft another quarterback who was the suspected first overall pick. Okay? So, they didn't put that in the movie because it was make-believe or it sounded good. There's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't happen somewhere because most stories are based on some form of reality. No, it's it, so part of the movie. It's not based on a... I don't know how to explain it. Like, parts of it, they said, did happen in real life. If you look up, um, is Bo Callahan real? There's a good article on that. But, no, I, yeah, I, you got me excited. I forget a lot about that movie. I'm going to have to watch that one again soon. I, I have seen it before, though. It is a great movie. It's a great movie. We all watch it every year right around draft day. And draft day was yesterday. So, I mean, we all should have watched Bo the movie because it's, it's an Bo amazing Callahan movie. Is- Almost identical to what happened uh, to uh, Dan Marino, actually. Yeah, yeah. It was who was Dan a highly Marino. touted. Yeah, Dan Marino, Dan the Marino. same year as John Elway. Yeah. There was a 30 yeah. for 30 ESPN on that, and it was almost an identical uh, identical um, situation. Yes, and, and this article I'm talking about, Charles, said that they compared parts of it to him and parts of it to Johnny Manziel. That's the other one that was uh, a guy that was just sitting there that was supposed to be a, a highly touted, just dropped like a stone. Just an arrogant prick, too, comes out uh, comes out making the cash sign after he gets drafted. He didn't even last in the CFL. <laughs> oh, fucking Johnny Manziel. <laughs> what a name. Yeah. So... Now, we do have a situation here 
and without Will on 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 board, right? And we're we're missing Will badly tonight because um, one, he hasn't been able to uh, bring up ghost schooners, although he did on he did in the chat here. He did in the chat, right? But he wasn't able to do that out there for the fans to go schooners. And I was trying, I was absolutely, I'm not going to do it. So we're going to leave that one alone. And what else haven't we been able to do? We haven't been able to bring in the greatest quarterback in the CFL history, which was Marcus Crandall. Marcus Crandall. Marcus Crandall. Crandall. So Marcus, Marcus Crandall would never, ever have a hissy fit the way that Vernon Adams did. Marcus Crandall was a true professional, and he took the team to the promised land. So, you know, I until you start winning Grey Cups after one after another, you don't have the right to bitch like this, Vernon. And uh, we have to go back to Milt Stiegel. It wasn't Milt Stiegel that called him the badge. I believe it was. Yeah, yeah he always okay. does. You, you you really you you have you, yeah man. I'm sorry. You can't be that cool if you get called the batch. <laughs> I really wanted to hear Will's uh, opinions on Australian kickers, but well, we haven't got there yet. It's it, it's not even on the schedule here. We're gonna have to no. put that on next week, and maybe maybe Will can talk a little bit next week on that. Okay, so. Bring in these kickers and let's see what teams actually draft. Please tell me, Charles, that one of the seven out of nine kicker punters that drafted was not by BC. Please tell me that BC. I don't was believe the BC. Did, the well, I believe BC was the reeks. I don't believe they drafted a kicker out of that. They got burned last year. I don't think they. Uh, huh, I don't think they wanted to go back there again. They, they said enough for that. Um, a quick, a quick note. I don't know if you guys knew this or not with the whole the global players, and I know nine out of ten of them don't work out, and I don't really love what they're doing with it. Anyway, do you guys remember that Fadric Hansen at all in Winnipeg? I slightly remember the name. Okay, yeah, he he, he was more of a role player. He made a huge, huge, huge hit that was all over replays in the 2019 Grey Cup. Yes, he, 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 he just, blew just, up. Yeah. Uh... Ahead, anyway, what do you think of that? I just wanted to say something. Um, so he, he he's a good enough. He's a good player. He he's a good global player. He's from Germany. Definitely good enough to play in this league. So I don't know if you guys ever saw the article, and this is this is like a month or so old now. Anyway, the Bombers have been trying to sign him. They wanted him back, but there's a stupid rule in the CFL where a global player, no matter what, can only make a certain amount of money. So he said he's probably just gonna. Like and they they're trying to talk to the CFL to get it changed for him specifically. He basically just said that he's like probably going to be done with football because it's not worth playing. Like for like I I I don't I, I feel like it's lower than a rookie contract even guys. Like he can't make more than like fifty k a season or something like that. I just thought that was interesting and a pretty stupid rule. I'm, they shouldn't get more. Like what I'm getting at is it should be like equal. Like why why can't you pay him a hundred k if you want? You know what I mean? But yeah, no, that it's it's literally a rule in the CFL where the global players aren't allowed to make more than it's fifty to sixty k. Like ever, no matter how good or bad they are. 
So he's probably done football. That's kind of weird, and that's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. No, I'm not bullshitting. I'm not bullshitting you. It's, it was on the Winnipeg. I'm not saying you were. On page, uh, I wanted to talk about that a few weeks. I just forgot. But, yeah, no, I thought that was interesting, and I really couldn't believe that. But, yeah, no, he's probably done football just because he, he said he, he, like, he has a job where he can make more money, and if he could even make an extra 10, 20 grand, he'd probably play, but it's just not worth it, honestly. Okay, so let's let's move on. We have a couple of more articles to do, some of them not taking so much time, but we'll see what happens. Despite recent success, Zach Caleros believes the Bombers won't have difficulty finding motivation. So what he's trying to say here is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are now back-to-back Grey Cup champions, are – most teams have what's known as a Grey Cup hangover. And the next year, they're not motivated to play all that good because they're kind of going, we're the Grey Cup champions, we're the Grey Cup champions, yada, da, 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 da. We're just going to walk through the league and win everything. Or their team is broken up in free agency or a, a plethora of different reasons that it's very difficult to go back to back. Um, and, 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 Right now, everybody's talking about them being the strongest team in the league and doing a three-peat, which is possible. Uh, It's been a lot of years. I think it goes back to to Edmonton before anybody's done three in a row, and they did five. Uh, I could be wrong on that. I know the last team that did two in a row was Montreal, and that was 9 and oh, and in 2010, they Montreal won the Grey Cup back-to-back years, beating Saskatchewan both times. Uh, <laughs> 2009 probably is one of the greatest Grey Cup endings in the history of the CFL. It, it just without doubt the most spectacular ending of a, any game. Um, Phil Miller so, just shut his radio off. Actually. <laughs> Rudy, uh, the odds of Phil Miller coming back on the show are zero right now. Okay, I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, yeah, you always got to get those. The recent, su- <laughs> the, the recent success, Zach Caleros believes the Bombers won't have difficulty finding motivation. They shouldn't have problems finding motivation. They shouldn't have a great cup history or hangover. They should just be humble and play football. I'm not sure that's going to happen. They lost a couple of arrogant players, and that's not a bad thing. Andrew Harris is gone. Uh, yeah, I, I'd still have to say the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the favorites to win the Grey Cup, or at least to get there. Uh, let's see what happens. I don't know what other team is going to be as strong. That doesn't mean that they can't lose in the playoffs any given Sunday. That's the way I kind of look at it to me. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would probably put them as a favorite too. In reality, yeah, they're they're like a plus two fifty or three fifty, and they're sitting at the the lowest uh, worst odds for for winning it. Like they're the favorite. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, two great cups. It's actually been fun to watch. I I'd like. I'd honestly love to see them win it again, and then I could care less who wins it in two years just 
because then you're getting into that whole dynasty talk. Um, yeah, and we haven't seen that. I mean, I've never seen that. You guys would have, like, with the the whole big evil empire thing in the, the 80s, I believe it was. And, yeah, that mm-hmm. attracted a lot yes. of teams to, to, string, to string together all those wins. Um, I'm going to go off on a bit of a different note here, which would be kind of not popular with some Bomber fans. But, anyway... I I, ho- I I sure hope they stay motivated. Um, O'Shea seems to keep them motivated, and uh, don't get me wrong, I think Caleros is amazing. He deserves to be the highest paid quarterback in the league, but um, I'd like to hope he is motivated. He's the one. Him and him and Willie Jefferson guys are the two guys that wouldn't take less money. They wanted to get paid, and the Bombers paid them, and for that they lost a a few key pieces that that definitely are uh, replaceable. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, put uh, put your money kind of where your mouth is, and and continue on playing good is all I really got to say. Like, they they got paid now, so go prove that you can do it with some of these this core ripped apart. I mean, they still got their main core back, but guys like Big Hill, uh, Jeff Coat, and even Couture Couture from uh, from Vancouver. He was he got offered an extra twenty k by the Lions, stayed in Winnipeg. Um, Jefferson took a huge uh he could have got way more money elsewhere same with uh Big Hill and they stayed. I'm not too worried about a lot of the guys they lost. Uh Steve Richardson, I personally just from watching them all season I thought was a big one. So I'm hoping he can be replaced, but I mean he's got a big injury now. He's not even going to play with BC till potentially the last four games or so. And uh Adams was a good veteran receiver, but they got Ellingson who to me plays a different game. Um, the Lauriers was amazing on the O-line, great Canadian O-lineman. He's in the NFL now, CFL all-star for two years. Conbo's usually injured and Alford's down in the NFL now. So I think they're still going to be the team to beat. And I'm just saying that as a CFL fan, not being biased or anything, but I do think the league will be a lot more competitive this year. And, uh, and I think that, uh, we should see a lot more closer football games. I really do. Now, that's all I got on I that. Think that, really. that. That should that should be every CFL fan's dream. I'd yep. love to see a, a, a an on par league where every team and every game is up for grabs and is competitive. Uh, that hasn't happened in a very long time. Very long time. Excuse me. Or if ever, I don't know when the league was at on par with each other. And I'm not sure that it ever will, but uh, it, it's a good dream. Okay, uh, we've got about 15 minutes left. Uh, let's uh, move on to the next subject because uh, I, it, bombers are bombers, and we're going to see what happens, what they do, whether their their arrogance shuts them down or whether they're, they're humble enough to continue on. And, uh, yeah, whatever happens. Um, segment hey, hey, here, I thought I'd come John up Port- Shut up. <laughs> Um, John, John Cornish, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame member and community leader and um, sideline cheerleader for the Calgary Stampeders, has been called up to serve as the University of Calgary's 15th Chancellor. Okay, now, I, I meant to do this, and I didn't really do uh, look into this too much. This is... University of Calgary, right? Um, 
what is the role of the uh, chancellor? I was actually hoping somebody else would know. <laughs> well, no you, you know, it's kind of an it's it's kind of an important thing. It's kind of like an office or or. Um, So the last one was a woman named Deborah Yeadlin, okay? Uh, and, and it basically, uh, well, I'm not seeing what it is. Let's try this differently. The chancellor acts as the chair of the university senate, which promotes the university's reputation, priorities, builds long-term support, and enriches community relations. So he's just a cheerleader. It's it's not an important position. It's not anything. And I'm not saying it's not an important position. It is. But it's, this is not so much, uh, I don't want to use the word earned. They just put somebody famous in it so that they can parade them around the city and raise awareness for their university. That's what I thought it was, and that appears to be exactly what it is. Yep. It, it's just it, it's the he's the MC to different ceremonies and stuff like that. He acts as an ambassador, and that's what a chancellor is, or this chancellor, anyhow. Um, so yeah, John Cornish just he, he's now gone from a cheerleader for the Saskatchewan or Calgary Stampeders to a cheerleader for the University of Calgary. Am I wrong? Mm, not totally, no. Okay. I'm just, just checking. I'm just checking. There's actually a vice chancellor, so there's somebody in backup position for that. So, good for John Cornish. He's still um, showing some relevancy. Uh, he hung out. He stayed in this town. Uh, I mean, considering he's from Vancouver. I mean, he's played his entire career in Calgary. He now calls Calgary his home. And, and the city of Calgary has, is recognizing him for his contributions to the city, to the football team. And uh, this is just another way of doing that. And good on them. Any, Rudy, you have anything to add to this? No, not a thing. No, you're not yeah. wrong. Good on him for getting it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an accomplishment. I mean, it's not something that they give away lightly, I'm sure. And it's not, you know, it. it they need somebody that's good for that position. They need somebody that's going to do well for the university. And they probably have found that. And and I think that John Cornish is going to go above and beyond um, what needs to be done in that position because he's not necessarily doing anything else. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful term, but, you know, the the previous one was a journalist. So she was always being – she's always a journalist, as Deborah Yedlin. 
she's a journalist before she's anything else, and that's what newspaper people are or, or reporters are. Um, but then she became ch- uh, chancellor, and uh, so now John Cornish is chancellor. So he, nah, I'm I'm okay with this. I don't have a problem with this. Mm-hmm. Maybe something's good, maybe something bad. I, I think we can have some good conversation with the next segment, so I'm going to move on to that. Um, what made the Baltimore Stallions so successful? I know exactly what made them successful, and I think Charles does too. Let's see if Rudy does. Rudy, what made the Baltimore Stallions so successful? They're American. Before your time. I'm sorry? <laughs> it's like because they're American. No, I don't know, man. It's a good football city. They, the city has a long history of football. Um, they were obviously successful in the CFL. It says here in this article, one of the most successful American CFL teams. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they were the only successful American football team. Um, Pretty close. Pretty close. That's basically basically all I got. I mean, it's Baltimore. It's a good football city, man. What made them so special was two things. The owner of the team at the time, and why can't I remember his name? Jim Sparrow? Jim Sparrow. Yeah. Jim Sparrows. Jim Sparrows. Um, he saw what was required to be successful in the CFL because the CFL game was so different than the NFL or NCAA game that he went out and hired a management staff and a coaching staff that had previous CFL experience. So they knew the game. This what They weren't blindsided with, this totally foreign game, okay? And by having this management team in there, they had the ability to draft and recruit American players who fit the CFL game as opposed to fitting the four-down game, okay? And they did that with such success that a second-year team won the Grey Cup in total domination for the season. Um, They were successful because they were not restricted to having Canadian, 21 Canadian players on the team. So they were able to draft or recruit the best players available regardless of their birth certificate. And that gave them an advantage over every single Canadian team. And the fact that their management and coaching staff already knew the CFL game gave them the advantage over all of the American teams. Yeah, that's correct. That's yeah, no, I, was, I, guess, successful. I did forget to say that. I, I did I did know that, that they were uh, all Canadian, but I didn't know anything that you just said about the coaching staff. That's interesting. The thing that teased me off, and I mean, I wasn't watching then. I wasn't even really alive then. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, if they were so successful, I, I, why didn't they just stay? Is it just because they got the NFL team that was kind of so long, CFL? Like, like it seemed like everything That's everything was you know, there. That's Pardon? exactly what happened. They, uh, that's exactly what happened. They wanted. Okay. 
Huh. So Big Brother dropped off. They started. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, what happened? Yeah. They. What happened was they were successful, but then Art Modell moved the Cleveland Browns and decided he wanted to move them to Baltimore, and that was the end of that pretty much because all the sponsorship money, all the funding they were getting, gone. It pretty much in the blink of yeah. an eye. No, so, I, yeah, yeah, it must be left five minutes left in the show. Blog talk kicked me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I it always so. does right near been, the end. It would have been nice to to see that succeed because I mean we don't have time to talk about it tonight, but that could if they were still around today, that could have led to another two, three successful American teams, and who knows where the league would be right now. But anyway. Are we going to bash the Bombers' third jerseys for the last few minutes here now? Yeah, we're going to do it a bit. But that's the, Baltimore moved to Montreal, right? Became the Alouettes, the last rendition of the Alouettes. And they stayed that way. And they were a dominant force even then, uh, even though they had to have Canadians on that thing because of the way they set it up. And Don Matthews was the head coach down in Baltimore. So, I mean, they, they brought in one of the best coaches of all times. Jim Sparrows was no fool. Um, and, and, and that's why Baltimore was successful. Unfortunately, they were too successful, and the, CF, and the NFL wanted to go back in the, in the town. So, you want to bash the Bombers' third jersey? Why? Well, it's in the article to not, talk about it. It's not It's not an, uh it's not offensive. It's just boring. Do you like it, CD? I don't like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, so I don't give a shit what they wear. Well, I just... <laughs> it looks like a <laughs> right? Hockey. Okay, come on. You it asked looked, me. It was lazy. It was really yeah, lazy. Like it a good looked, way of putting it. It looks... Yes, and it looks like a hockey jersey, and... I was getting excited thinking we'd have a nice gold jersey with but modernized with the nice royal blue shoulders with football numbers on the front, not many hockey numbers in the corner with a logo and practice jersey looking hockey. Yeah, they're brutal. Anyway. I said it was very arena football like. Yeah, Charles and and it, and it was so until somebody comes up with a good third jersey like the BC Lions did with their gunmetal gray, it, it you know it's just not not going to happen. Oh, I so, was going to buy two of them. I don't know, one for me, one for my girlfriend, and now they just saved me a ton of money. So thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. And thankfully, they're only going to wear them twice. They're going to wear them. Looks twice like a dog jersey. Good. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Okay, this has been Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 485. I'm your host, Christopher Jones. We're going to call it a night and uh, head in and do some paperwork for tomorrow's uh, schedules, work summaries for me. Uh, we missed Will McDonald tonight, although we did have fun with his little brother calling him a bitch, um, which is kind of – no, he didn't call him that. He called him something. I don't know, whatever it was. Will was calling – never mind. Uh, I'm going to say goodnight. Goodbye. Charles, take it over. Good night, folks. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. Training camp about to start. Rudy, say goodbye for the last time until October. Yeah, good night, folks. Hopefully we'll talk to you again before then. If not, it was a good time on there. And for Willie Boy, go Schooners!
Yeah, right. Marcus Crandall. <laughs>